Who are they? How did they get here and where are they now? I'm Tyson Chastain, Director of Alumni Relations with Johnson University, and this is the Sojournal Podcast. The Sojournal Podcast is a production of the Alumni Relations Office at Johnson University and is brought to you by the Alumni Association. Whether you graduated from Central Florida Bible College, Johnson Bible College, Florida Christian College, or Johnson University, you are a part of the alumni family. Join the Alumni Association and help encourage and equip alumni and students as they pursue kingdom-focused vocations. Learn more at johnsonu.edu forward slash alumni. Today, we're joined in the Sojourner Podcast by 2000 Johnson University, Tennessee graduate, Blair Wilgus. Blair, welcome to the Sojourner Podcast. Thanks for having me, Tyson. Glad to be here. Thank you so much for making the time to be with me today. I'm really looking forward to, you know, talking with you about your journey. Had the privilege of knowing you a little bit when you and your family were here on campus. So this is going to be fun. It's yeah, kind of reminiscing same, yeah. for us, right? Mm-hmm. So Blair, to get started, would you mind just kind of giving a general introduction to help people know who Blair Wilgus is? Blair Wilgus, uh, class of 2000, Johnson. I was a preaching graduate. Uh, met my wife uh, there, uh, formerly Laura Sherrod. And I have one child, Brooke, uh, who just turned six, just started first grade. Uh, and we live in Augusta, Georgia now. Cool. And where do you work? Uh, I work at uh, Hope International University. So that's uh, one of our uh, sister, uh, sister schools in Fullerton, California, right around the corner from Disney. So you're working for Hope International, but you're in Augusta, Georgia. So that's kind of interesting. <laughs> it's international. Technically, I could work anywhere. <laughs> well, I guess that's true. Okay. <laughs> well, there you have it then. Fine. All right. As we uh, get into this then, Blair, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about your uh, upbringing, your childhood years. So were you raised in a Christian home from birth? What was uh, early faith journey like for you? I was born and raised um, in the Maryland, Delaware area. So lived in Maryland, but uh, we were seven miles from the border. And so we were, my mom's family was in Maryland. My dad's family was in Delaware. So we were just kind of always back and forth. Um, Christian family, uh, I'm the oldest of five children. We were incredibly active in the church. My home congregation was uh, the Ocean View Church of Christ. Um, We attended there my entire life until we moved to Johnson. We were a core family for a church plant for three years. But other than that, I was one, one uh, church family my entire life. And uh, I think, you know, that kind of set the, the, the stage for, I think, my church affiliation uh, ever since. I mean, I, I attended one church uh, my whole life growing up, one church. I was at, attended Woodlawn Christian Church when I was at Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, Street uh, Christian Church when I was at Lincoln, a church in uh, Scotland Church in California, just one church, and have always been an active, active participant, just because that's, I think, the the way I grew up, and that's how I saw faith uh, practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was a deacon. We attended Sunday school, Sunday morning service, Sunday evening service, Wednesday evening service. Church and Boy Scouts were really the two main ways I spent my time growing up. <laughs> baptized, baptized at 12, attended church camp every year. I went to preaching competition at camp once. I went to the Grundy Prayer Clinic, uh, very influential for me for building a prayer life. Started, uh, my whole family started homeschooling when I was in ninth grade. So I went through eighth grade in public school and then homeschooled the last four years. My youngest sister was homeschooled throughout. 
her, her education, but uh, homeschooled um, from ninth grade on. Bible reading and prayer were uh, the first thing we did in the morning. Uh, faith was the norm. You mentioned the homeschool thing when you were in ninth grade. Was there something that inspired your family to go that route as opposed to continuing public school at the time? Um, I'm sure that there were a number of, uh, of issues that could uh, take us down a, a couple rabbit holes, things that we <laughs> on in school, as well as I think uh, probably the biggest reason was wanting uh, faith to be a part of education. That, that was actually a part of why, biggest part of why my wife and I homeschooled was just, okay. you know, we wanted, we wanted our kids to have our values, you know, yep. it's not necessarily the world's values that we wanted them to have our faith. So, yeah, I thought, I thought that was good from our perspective. That was good. Homeschooling was good. Was homeschooling a good experience for you? It was. Um, I mean, it would have been, it, it was weird for me because I went through eighth grade in public school. So I probably had a little bit more of the, I wish I was still with all my friends uh, to a little bit. I think I got a good education. It, it has not hindered me at all. Pleased with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say it hasn't hindered you considering where you are in your journey now working with Hope International. So that's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> um, okay. So Tell me about some of those childhood experiences then that really solidified your faith. When we grow up in a Christian household, it is so easy for faith to be the faith of our family. And so uh, tell me about those spiritually formative kind of times for you, camp experiences or whatever it is that made you make that decision at 12 years old. You know, is, is, is that 12 years old when faith really became yours or was there a different point in the journey where that happened? I, I listened to uh, some of your other uh, podcasts and I thought about this question for, for a little while. I, I really don't like know when uh, faith became my own uh, and faith was such a big part of our entire life that I can't point. I mean, it was just, I can't point to an event because there were, there were just, it was just always there. I mean, we were, we were always at church, went to family camp for a year or two. I was a lifeguard at the camp. So I'm just always in a community of faith. I, I have a hard time pointing to a place or time where I would say this faith is now mine in a way it wasn't before. But faith that, that is just your own, doesn't, it doesn't really make sense to me. No one comes to faith by sitting down and reading the Bible. We come to faith in response to the lived faith of others. Mm. I think that's part of the, the beauty of faith. We carry the mementos of other people's faith within our own. So my faith is certainly my own right now, but it's also still the faith of my parents and still the faith of many other teachers that I've had along the way. At 12 years old, was, did, did your parents or your dad baptize you or was that at uh, family camp or where, what was that? No, I got baptized at uh, Ocean View at my own church. My parents and I had talked about baptism before. I mean, I remember walking down the aisle, but I don't have a lot of specific memories of the conversations leading up to it. I remember, I mean, the, the sermon that I preached that I won the competition for was on uh, baptism. You know, so we'd had conversations. This is something I was thinking about. Uh, so I feel like for sure, by the time I made the commitment to give my life to the Lord, that this was something that I was thinking for on my own, mm -hmm. albeit as a 12-year-old. How did your family, I mean, I, I guess, did you and your dad then come to Johnson together? How did your family discover Johnson? What made you come to Johnson as opposed to... Cincinnati or or Kentucky or uh, I guess Mid-Atlantic was closer to you all than yeah I've been to mid because my dad attended Mid-Atlantic when it was Roanoke uh, oh is that right okay. yeah he did a, he did a year at Roanoke before he started his 
professional career. My youth minister uh, had attended Cincinnati, so he took uh, some kids to Cincinnati and Kentucky. I had attended uh, Kentucky Summer in the Sun uh, summer program one year, but youth minister took us to visit Kentucky and Cincinnati, and I really liked Kentucky. That was in my junior year of high school. Senior year, my senior minister uh, had attended, he had attended Johnson, so he took a group of kids uh, down to Johnson, and the campus visit probably was uh, one of the biggest factors. I mean, it was a beautiful campus mm-hmm. more so now a number more buildings than there there were when i was there mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, it's got, a little bit yeah yeah it's got a good reputation of training preachers um there's a little bit of a bubble bubble to the campus but i i thought that was a good thing it was a bubble i wanted to step inside the, mm-hmm. the johnson community looked like the life i lived growing up faith was central to the curriculum to campus life so mm-hmm. uh that's how i uh how i picked johnson uh, when i told my parents that I had chosen uh, Johnson, that's when they told me that they had decided, dad had decided to quit his job as a carpenter and go back to becoming a preacher, following in almost literally in the footsteps of Jesus. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> he didn't, so he, he had decided he was going to go back to Bible college as well. And he decided that whatever I chose was where he would attend as well. So huh. I picked Johnson. I picked Johnson for the whole family. And we all moved <laughs> down there in 96. So were you were you living up there in an old orchard with your family, or were you living in the dorms? The first two years, uh, they lived in old orchard, and I lived in the dorm. And then they moved behind Gap Creek Christian Church. Tommy Smith uh, had a house there that we re- they rented. Mm-hmm. First two years, I lived in the dorm, and the second two years uh, off campus, I moved in with them. A very different uh, uh, student experience uh, living on campus and then off campus. I mean, I went away to college, but my family went with you. So there was. <laughs> you didn't get away from, did you? I mean, not like I was really trying to, but it was, <laughs> you know, when you think about the college experience, you know, moving, moving away from home, well, home moved right with me. <laughs> I was trying to go down to Tennessee to get away from y'all. <laughs> just, yeah. My brother attended as well. My sister, uh, Jared and Megan, both attended Johnson. I didn't have any classes with Jared and Megan was after I was there. So, but I had one or two with my dad. That was neat. <laughs> was it neat or was that intimidating? <laughs> well, dad set up, dad set up front. I sent, you know, midway back. So, uh-huh. but no, it was dad, you know, non-traditional students were um, a little bit more studious, I think. And I was, the, you know, 18 year old college student, but I, I wasn't intimidated. <laughs> That's fine. We didn't, we didn't compete. I don't think. <laughs> so you weren't comparing each other's papers when you walked out of class or anything? No. Your youth minister went to CCU and your senior minister went to Johnson. Um, was the youth minister Mark? McGee, yes. Uh-huh. Mark McGee, yeah. yeah. I sort of got to know him through, I guess, yeah, Ocean View. Okay. Wasn't yeah. it? Uh, uh, or no, no, no. Uh, you uh, there. Delaware. He's now. He's, Lewis. Yeah, Lewis. Power, there we go. Power north there now, yeah. That's, that's the church where I got Okay. I got to know your, uh, Mark. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I encountered him at uh, Hillsboro Family Camp and those kinds of things as well. So when you said you went to family camp, are you talking about Delmarva? Del, yep. Uh, I, man, it's weird talking to somebody who knows uh, knows uh, Delmarva. So Del, <laughs> for, for the uninitiated, Delmarva is the the abbreviation for Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia, which portions of Maryland and Virginia and all of Delaware form a peninsula that we call the Delmarva Peninsula. So yeah, I went to Delmarva Christian uh, Service Camp growing Interesting. up. Interesting. <laughs> That's fun. Sort of reminds me of Kiowa, right? Kentucky, Ohio, West Virginia. I uh, heard that's that. a, okay. Yeah, that's a church planting organization. I think that's a church planting organization, but anyway. 
Yeah, really neat. Okay, so that was uh, Mark McGee. Who was the senior minister that attended Johnson that sort of got you? Bill Kidwell. Uh, Bill Kidwell. Yeah, he was my senior minister at Ocean View. Then he moved up to Smyrna, which is further north of, than Lewis. He was the minister there, and he took a group from his church, and I joined them. Uh-huh. But Johnson, my, I did two internships uh, my freshman and sophomore year with his church in Smyrna. Oh, is that right? Well, that's cool. So you came to Johnson and you brought your family with you. Quite neat. So tell me about that time here at Johnson. What did you experience, you know, as a student um, academically, spiritually and socially? What were some of the highlights for you? Well, I was there from 96 to 2000. I was a preaching major, so I was physically fit walking up to Old Main every day. (laughs) I was on the painting team. I was a lifeguard, Dennis Gartner's TA. So did a few work studies there. Played uh, a lot of ultimate Frisbee uh, on campus. Did uh, a lot of rollerblading down on the river walk. Met my wife there. We like to study on the second floor of the EAC building right above the lobby in that front of that big window. We call uh-huh. it we call it the Star Wars window. <laughs> That's right. The atrium, whatever that is. Uh, I was on uh, uh, John, uh, one of the travel teams, summer travel teams. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, after my uh, senior year, they actually normally uh, seniors don't travel after you graduate, but I graduated and they let me travel. Secondhand Souls, that was uh, the team I was on. Academically, I liked my Bible classes, liked um, Dave Brees, uh, Jerry Mattingly, uh, were two of my favorite uh, Bible professors. Carl, I mean, uh, Carl was only, uh, Dr. Bridges was only teaching Greek. I really liked his classes, Ron Wheeler's uh, English class. I kind of really liked the professors that made you work hard. I, I was uh, an AB student. I wasn't a, an exceptional student, but I certainly liked being challenged, and I liked those professors that challenged me. Spiritually, I, I uh, again, I was actively involved in a congregation, the Woodlawn uh, Christian Church, while I was there. Rick Grover was a minister. He was my mentor. I can't remember if we had to have mentors uh, at the time or not. I, you know, I read uh, scripture every morning in church. Um, I was part of their small group program. Rick had done his D-Men on small groups as the way to grow a church. So I worked with him uh, as an assistant leader. And then in the model that he used, uh, the, the group grows large enough until it, this was not the word that we were allowed to use. That's exactly, that's the word. So when the, the group multiplied, then I was the small group leader. So I was, I was active because we had to attend tra- chapel four times uh, mm-hmm. when I was there. I don't know if it's still the same, but not go to chapel on campus. You could attend a local congregation. So I attended local congregation on Wednesdays. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, my time at Johnson looked very similar to my time uh, growing up, actively involved in the church. Faith was very important. So were you always uh, set mentally on a, a theological development path? No, I attended and wanted to be a youth minister. And I had a, min- a minister friend that said, don't get a youth ministry degree because in 10 or 15 years, you'll end up being a senior minister anyway. Hmm. I don't think that's great advice, but that's what I did. So I enrolled as a preaching minister, did my first internship uh, after my freshman year as a youth minister. So it was a youth ministry internship. And sure enough, it didn't take me 10 years to figure out I didn't want to do youth ministry. I decided right there. So, uh, but I was going to, I was always going to be a preacher, you know, getting ready to graduate Johnson. I'm 21 years old and think who in the, what, what church in their right mind would hire a 21 year old as their senior pastor. 
mm. senior preacher. So I decided to do uh, go to seminary, uh, get a couple more years of life experience and more education under my, under my belt before trying to find a job. And Rick, uh, Rick Rover at, at Woodlawn was very uh, influential there as well. I mean, I, I, he was my first encounter with an educated minister where I grew up on the shore. It's much more common for someone to maybe have an, a Bible college degree. It's, it's also very common for someone to love the Lord very much and just decide to preach for the rest of their life and mm. get a steady paying job with no education in the Bible. So mm. Rick, Rick was kind of a very important figure for me uh, in my development, both thinking about ministry and then as I continued on in my own education. So he, and he talked about education as a well, how deep is the well that you dig that you're going to be drawing from for the rest of your life. Mm. So go, go to seminary, dig that well deeper so that you can draw from it longer. So I decided to go get an MDiv. Uh, Bob Martin strongly advocated for Lincoln. I think at the, he said at the time it was our most ministry-minded uh, seminary. So I went on, just followed his advice, uh, and I'm I'm happy I went. Went did um, well. I, I say uh, Bob Martin was influential. Then uh, Tim Wingfield was director of admissions at the time, and his his youth minister was Bob Ray, who is now the church history professor at Lincoln. So mm. Bob came for a a uh, recruiting trip to to Johnson. Tim had him over and I uh, went and had dinner and it stretched on for a, a couple hours just talking about, you know, what's, what's a graduate degree look like? What is, what is Lincoln's kind of, what is Lincoln all about? And after that night, uh, I decided to go. I say after that night, that's an important distinction. After that night, I decided to go to Lincoln because I remember when my parents dropped me off, we pulled up and as we're driving up, and it's just Lincoln. It's a bit of a barren wasteland. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I remember I had taken um, a class through Lincoln East Coast, formerly, what was it before it was Lincoln East? Uh, there was a college outside of Baltimore that Lincoln had uh, purchased, and they had an East, East Coast campus that yeah. Neil Lindham, who was at East, Lincoln. Eastern, wasn't it? Eastern, yeah, Eastern Christian College, that's it. So I took a class with an with a undergraduate Lincoln professor, Neil Wyndham. Uh, and he described Lincoln as you just imagine, you know, the rolling hills of Tennessee. Now you stretch it all flat and burn everything and rake it away. And that's Lincoln. <laughs> so I, I decided to attend Lincoln before I saw it. I, it was a good decision. Some good faculty mentors uh, mm-hmm. there. The, the time that you had here at Johnson, you mentioned a couple, you know, just people that are always brought up when we talk about faculty members. Dr. Reese, what do you remember most about Dr. Reese? My picture of Doc Reese I can picture the classroom where he's standing in the PW building and he's standing at the front of the room with his hand up and he would tuck his fingers in his, in his pants like this. <laughs> and, and that was just kind of his, it was such a unique resting standing position. I, and that's always the, the first picture I have in my mind. He's such an energetic, passionate person. Mm-hmm. I still teach uh, my students, uh, one of the acronyms that he taught, iguanas, oh, yeah. iguanas eat apples because pears give rickets. <laughs> and that's uh, flags over Palestine. The 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 controlling uh, who controlled uh, Palestine was Israel, Egypt. Now now I'm getting iguanas eat apples. So uh, Assyria, Syria, Babylon, Persia, uh, Rome. I, I remember shaking bacon Aiken, you know, <laughs> Aiken who, uh, who stole the, the, the items after Jericho. That was really great for, for capturing students. How about, how about Jay Jets Go See? Do you know that one? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that down, though. What is it? Jade, J-A-D-E, 
Jets uh-huh. go S-I-C. Jade Jets go C. Those are the judges. Jade Jets go C. I can't. I'm gonna. I'm gonna use that one too. <laughs> he, he was just full of all kinds of those things, wasn't he? I, I think what I appreciated so much about Doc Reese was he made the learning style engaging. He yeah. talked to you yeah. instead of just lecturing at you, and you could tell that he he really loved his students. I mean, oh, yeah. one of the best for him. Ooh, you'd meet uh, Doc uh, down in the uh, EAC playing ping pong with students. I mean, Doc was always doing things in his spare time with, with students. I think that was really neat. Which then, you know, when you, uh, you know, as a professor, when you build those bonds with students, it means that when they're actually, you build those bonds outside the classroom, when they come in the classroom, they're more receptive and, and open and willing to listen, which is something I still struggle with, even more so now when I'm, you know, I teach remotely, so I don't get to make those connections. Um, you also mentioned Bob Martin. I remember, I mean, I, I don't know, did I only have the one class uh, with Bob? I don't remember a lot about Bob other than that he was always rejoicing in the Lord. Uh-huh. <laughs> how about, uh, you, you did not mention, how about Tommy Smith? Did you have him for? I did, had him for one or two history classes. I liked Tommy in class. He was, uh, Tommy was another one that made you work. The history he taught wasn't old enough for me which is probably why I didn't uh, mention him as one of my favorites. But uh, I, re- I mean, he was another one that demanded something of your students. And I think that's, uh, that was really neat. You mentioned uh, your, your church experience at Woodlawn. Uh, what did you do for small group chapel? Uh, oh yeah. That all day. Uh, when I was there, uh, there were all every semester, there was a list uh, of chapels that would be going on. You could pick one. Mm-hmm. Um, the only chapel, the only, I've completely forgotten about that till you mentioned it. The only one I can remember was I did a Didache with, uh, Carl Bridges and Ron Wheeler. Mm. Uh, I don't remember the other ones that I did. Well, since you were on the preaching program, uh, maybe you were involved in the Timothy club. Oh yeah. I was in the Timothy club. That's right. I completely forgot about that as well. Uh-huh. It's been a couple of years, uh, Tyson. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> the gray cells are fading. <laughs> you're in a you're in your own academic context these days that are obviously a little bit different from johnson but uh, uh that was academically spiritually socially you said you got an ultimate frisbee you were playing ultimate frisbee in the late 90s that was when ultimate frisbee was just starting to emerge wasn't it uh, it might have been because i think i don't know that i played it before then there were a couple good there's a couple good fields out there at johnson you could really get that frisbee out there um so you didn't get involved in any sports beyond intramural kind of stuff, right? No, I played a little bit of intramural. Uh, I tried out for the soccer team. I didn't make it. I, I, I was never really a sports player, so I was never really serious. I was just thinking about, you know, other social things that happen around campus. So you lived. Yeah, what... I lived on campus for two years, and then the last two years I lived right behind Gap Creek. Okay. Okay. So you were always living with your parents. You never lived in the dorms. No, I lived in dorms for the first two years while they were on married student housing. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, then after that, I moved back in. Okay, so what was uh, dorm life like then for you? Was was that a good experience, a bad experience? What was that like? Yeah, I think that was a good experience. I uh, was there for two years. So I, had, I had a different roommate every semester. Uh, <laughs> now, what do you attribute that to? They kept giving me bad ones. <laughs> That's nothing to do with me. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm completely joking. I think uh, my first year, I didn't know anybody, so they assigned me and then uh, chose my uh, roommate the second semester. And then 
third semester I picked one, but he didn't come back. And so then it was last minute, but yeah, I, I, I uh, like the dorm. I was, I mean, I had, I had good friends. I feel like when I was there, I haven't kept up with, uh, I mean, we've moved around so much that I haven't kept up uh, a lot with, uh, with old friends um, on Facebook a little bit. Okay. So we talked about your journey uh, at Johnson, you know, your academic experience, your chapel experience and those kinds of things, but where did Laura come in to this uh, process? Uh, she's uh, two years younger than me. So uh, she started at Johnson in 98. Uh, she was on the teacher ed program. She graduated in four years. So I had graduated and done two years at Lincoln. We got married and she moved to Lincoln then in 02. How long did your master's work at Lincoln take? I wanted to be a preacher, but I had to choose a major and I didn't really know enough time, you know, born and raised in the restoration movement. So New Testament was, was screaming loudly for my attention. It's just not as much fun as the Old Testament, <laughs> but I wasn't, but you know, I, I, it was hard to make that uh, pull the trigger on the Old Testament. And my faculty mentor was Bob Ray, the church history professor. And he said, well, you know what you believe. Maybe you ought to spend some time thinking about what the churches believe. He made a strong case for it. So I started at Lincoln in church history while I was doing that. Then I got the itch to actually move on to higher education, to, to, to be a professor. So then I did the uh, a Master of Arts degree so that I would, uh, would have a thesis to kind of mm -hmm. prepare me for writing a, a dissertation. Uh, so I did two degrees at, at Lincoln, two master's degree. I did an MDiv in church history and then an MA in Old Testament. And so I was there until so I was there for six years. So I've been in, I've been in higher education, either student or professor for 36 years. It's uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> so so almost literally from the time that you started at Johnson, you've been in higher education ever since. Literally no, almost about it. I mean, summer's off, but yeah. Wow. Uh, so uh, I mean, when I say in education, I've either been studying higher education or providing it. Yeah. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So then tell me about that journey, because you said you wanted to be a preacher, but then you got the itch. Tell me about that evolution that brought you to you wanted to teach as opposed to preach. I remember having the conversation with Laura in Knoxville. I'm in Lincoln. You know, we talk on the phone, occasionally make that drive. Um, but I remember talking to her one of the times we got together and telling her that I was thinking about doing a PhD and cause we're just talking about timelines and, and, and what we were going to do. I don't really remember the lead up, uh, to, I don't remember any significant uh, things that, that pushed me in that direction other than just really enjoying learning, mm -hmm. which has kind of always been something I've enjoyed. Always liked reading, read a lot of novels growing up and then got to Johnson. I remember my favorite time of the semester was always that first day. I mean, there's the fear in the pit of your stomach as you're buying all the books for the semester on one day. <laughs> but the excitement of just looking at all these books that I'm going to read this semester. So I've always, I think, leaned this way, whether I knew it uh, or not. Going into grad school, to seminary, uh, this level of education, just opening up so many. I mean, just There's so many doors that you know to open and explore behind. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I couldn't stop. I, I think wow. that was really a big, a big part of it. Where did you get your start? After Johnson, you determined to go to Lincoln. Where did you get your start in actually being a teacher as opposed to a student? Well, uh, I lectured at least once for Dennis Gartner at Johnson, filled mm -hmm. in when he was gone or something. 
Uh-huh. Um, lectured a couple times for Walt Zorn at Lincoln when he was gone, a couple times for Gary Hall when he was gone. So I, I had done some kind of a little, uh, some little lectures. Uh, that's, there's a big difference between giving a lecture or two and being a professor, but that goes back to, you know, growing up. I mean, I was uh, active, uh, leader in, in church and youth, uh, youth groups, had little, uh, teaching, uh, in undergrad and grad school. So, uh, I was doing my MDiv, decided I wanted to uh, go on. So I did it in Master of Arts. At this time, I decided, okay, I want to do Old Testament Master of Arts and then decided to get the PhD. And by that time, so I had a four-year undergrad, six years of uh, grad school. That's 10 years of classroom learning. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do another four to six years of classroom learning uh, in an American PhD. UK PhDs have traditionally been low on coursework, high on, uh, and they emphasize the, the thesis, what we call a dissertation, mm-hmm. uh, they emphasize that much more. So I think only had, I had my Hebrew and German were the only courses I took in Edinburgh. I went to the University of Edinburgh in Scotland. So Laura and I were married in 02, finished at Lincoln in 06, sold half our belongings, stored the other half in our in-laws basement, flew to Scotland. And we were there two months shy of five years. Wow. I did a PhD with uh, Hans Barstad. He's a giant, was a giant in the Israel, uh, in ancient prophecy and historiography. So I worked on the book of Amos, Amos three through six, and moved back in the summer of 2011. And Hope had, I'd, I'd been applying to jobs for a couple of years and nothing, uh, hadn't, uh, hadn't had any any bites, a couple nibbles, but no bites and moved back. But I had lined up my first interview with Hope before we left. So my first uh, phone interview was just a couple of days after we moved back in June of 11. And we moved out there in October. So I, I got very lucky that the PhD uh, job market is, is pretty bad, pretty, pretty competitive. You and Laura flew out to Hope. I mean, did you live out there in Southern California? Oh yeah, sorry. So we, uh, so I had my first phone interview. Then we both flew out for a second interview uh, before we moved out there. Uh, moved out there and lived there for ten-ish years, a uh, little, little over ten. Uh, Laura works for a ADP. It's a HR company, mm-hmm. uh, and she got a promotion that came with a job relocation. About forty percent of my job, I chair our online ministry degree. So I have always taught online at least one course a semester. Sometimes my entire semester load would be online. So I've always worked with online students. And so when when we were thinking about moving, Hope generously uh, allowed me to keep my job and work remotely. We moved to Georgia in the summer of 2019. You've been in Augusta since? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What made you choose Augusta as opposed to... Uh, that was the, it was uh, my wife's uh, job. They as, have as that where it is yeah. in Augusta? Okay. Well, they have several, uh, but this was uh, her, her branches. It's here. Okay, good. Well, that's a, that's a pretty area of Georgia as I understand it. It really is. Yeah. I mean, it is, I should probably say that if there are any prospective students listening, Johnson has a beautiful campus. No one has weather as beautiful as California. So I'm in, uh, and so, and you know, uh, give, give hope a chance, but uh, <laughs> the, the worst part of living in Georgia is this heat and humidity, which mm-hmm. we didn't have there. But other than that, 
I think uh, George is uh, not too big a step down from, from California. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so was that a challenge? I mean, being a boy who was raised in the Delmarva area to live in Southern California, the cultures are quite different. Johnson's a bit uh, uh, remote. It's not in the middle of town. Uh, Lincoln's a tiny little town. So I'd never really spent time in a, in a big city until we moved to Edinburgh. That's where I got bit by the, the, the city bug. And I really like uh, being in the city now, or at least close. California uh, was, I mean, it just ramped up because in, in California, you're never more than half an hour from anything you want. Surfing, whatever food you want to eat, everything's right there. And, I, and Georgia has actually been a step back towards uh, you know, the smaller town. Augusta is not nearly as big as, as uh, Edinburgh or uh, Orange County. Right. <laughs> That's cool. So you found yourself then uh, doing, you said you are the chair of the online ministry program and oh. you also teach Old Testament? Yeah, Hope has five colleges, and I teach in the ministry, the College of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Uh, Hope used to be called Pacific Christian College, uh, and uh, they changed shortly before I got there, a year or two before I uh, started. Uh, they changed their name to Hope International University, uh, uh, split into five colleges, uh, and so the ministry college kept PCC. So we're PCC, Pacific Christian College of Ministry and Biblical Studies. And we've got youth ministry, preaching, intercultural studies, biblical studies, worship we have a grad program and an undergraduate christian ministry program so i chair the ministry the online ministry program of the courses that you've taught in your history what what's been your favorite what do you really like to teach i like teaching our intro to the old testament uh, for uh, we call it uh, history and literature of ancient israel uh -huh. and it really is a survey of the old testament with an emphasis on uh, you know looking at and understanding uh, ancient genres uh, and where Israel fits in the, in the world. So I like that just because it's an introduction. Uh, many students, uh, even, even churched students, uh, don't spend a lot of time in the Old Testament. Even churched adults don't spend a lot of time in the Old Testament. But uh, So I like that. I like that opportunity to introduce students. But I really enjoy um, upper division classes. I teach uh, Pentateuch, Prophets, Old Testament Theology, violence of God in the Old Testament. You know, I teach those on law, uh, in the undergraduate. And then in our grad program, I teach a course on, he I teach Hebrew, which I'm teaching right now. And then I teach uh, the first half of a combined Greek and Hebrew tools, tools class. I like my, I like the topic of Old Testament theology and uh, especially the issue of the violence of God. I really like teaching grad students. Some of the, some of the difficulties with teaching uh, are kind of wrestling with students that are as distracted as I was when I was a college student. So I'm, I can't, mm -hmm. I, I'm not pointing fingers uh, without recognizing that they point back at me as well. But working with grad students is, is a lot of fun. And I like teaching Hebrew. It gives me a chance to brush up myself. It's just interesting how, you know, the Lord kind of influences, nudges you along the journey. And to yeah. get you into this position here, I, I, I'm curious to know, do you feel like you got a solid foundation that prepared you well for master's work when you were at Johnson? Beyond a shadow of a doubt, but there are, I, I probably, you know, maybe throw some caveats in there. I mean, I, I came into it, I, I, I think fairly uh, biblically literate. No, that's just reading the Bible. That's not studying to understand. Right. Um, so I'm not trying to say that I didn't need to take, I, ne I desperately needed the, the classes at Johnson and I desperately needed to, to extend and, and, and study deeper. But 
uh, I think I was prepared uh, well for Johnson and Johnson certainly prepared me well uh, moving, uh, moving into grad, post-grad work. Education looks different at the undergrad and grad level. Mm-hmm. Johnson prepared me well. Grad school was still a lot of work, meaning that these were easy. Right. I have no qualms about my Johnson education at all and quite happy and pleased for it, both in what it provided and the people I, I met. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Echoes my experience. And so it's, it's yeah. good to hear it from other people as well. Oh, sure. Though I, I came into Johnson knowing nothing. <laughs> oh, okay. Pretty Very much. good. Well, that's where professors uh, have a lot of work to do. That's where professors like Dave Reese, you know, do an exceptional drop job. And, you know, here's somebody who, who knows something and or who hasn't spent a lot of time there and good professors capture students. And, and the fact that you don't know anything coming in is not a, doesn't d- detract from, from what you can get out of it. I think, I think it's helpful to point out that you don't need to know something before going to get a degree in an area. Right. I think, I think that's, uh, you know, that's part of probably the struggle of, the academic courses can't be too <laughs> too good because then guys like me won't get it and if they're too weak then guys like you will get bored you know <laughs> yeah. so for professors to juggle that uh, that dynamic within their classes and you know they have to have it every year yeah uh, you've experienced it i'm sure every class is different you don't know who's there what's going on how do you present this material blair we have burn through our time and uh, I've, I've really appreciated you know you sharing what's going on in your life and and getting to know you and your academic journey has been fun but I still got to ask you a couple questions and I right. know you're you're not you're not looking forward to these so <laughs> but I'm looking forward to seeing how you're going to do with it so first question considering everything that you have learned over the course of your journey from childhood through PhD work and now your extensive experience with Hope International what is something you've learned that you would really wish to impress on other people? Lots of, you know, little advice that, you know, has stuck with me, but isn't uh, incredibly relevant to the conversation we're having right now. I think maybe one thing that I'd say, and, and don't think because I'm giving this advice that I'm a good example of it, but I'm certainly trying to be better. It, it's kind of come from just teaching uh, exegesis and, and research, uh, reading ancient texts. Uh, try to understand things from another person's point of view. World's getting more and more polarized. It feels like everyone's shouting all the time. Very little listening or understanding. I think we need to learn to not just listen, but understand. And so, I, you know, I tell students the exegesis process is a lot like this. You know, we're, we're asking a lot of questions that we should be asking in everyday life. You know, not when we're talking about the biblical text, you know, what's written, who wrote it, to whom, why, what was the situation? And I think those questions we all, you know, anybody that's, you know, have some familiarity with, with Bible study will ask those questions. But I think some deeper questions as well, what in external factors have influenced this? What were the core beliefs held by the author or audience? These kind of things help us kind of get in the head of someone, if, if I can uh, use that. So, you know, this, the same thing that I teach in class, I tell students, do this out there. Don't just hear something and immediately go. You can't just pick up the Bible and just point at a verse and, and, and read, when you hear someone say something, try to make sure you understand it before you respo- uh, respond. Try to be mm-hmm. empath- empathetic listener. I'm not great at it, but I think that that's uh, a great piece of advice and one I'm still trying to pick that, up. That, that's, that's perfect. I mean, what you're saying is something that we all face because we all have our own biases and, and, and things that we are hesitant to 
allow to be challenged. I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> the more I think the more I've gone in my life, uh, Blair, the more I've seen that is uh, I really need to understand that people have a different worldview than I do. You know, legitimately held beliefs for legitimate reasons. That's a great, that's an important way to say it too, Tyson. They're not just other beliefs. They're legitimately held other beliefs. Mm -hmm. So it's not listen in order to be able to refute. It's listen to be able to, to be able to understand because, you know, from a different perspective in a different context setting, there's a reason, there's a good reason people think these things are act this way. Right. But we don't have to do that. You don't have to pick up or adopt, but at least try to understand so last question for you, Blair, um, is pretend, if you will, that for 60 seconds, the entire world is going to listen to the podcast. So for 60 seconds, you have the opportunity to have the ear of everyone in the world. What would you do with the 60 seconds that you have to address the world? While you think about your answer, let me remind our listeners, the Sojourner podcast has been brought to you by the Alumni Association of Johnson University. Whether you graduated from Central Florida Bible College, Johnson Bible College, Florida Christian College, or Johnson University, you are a part of the alumni family. Join the Alumni Association and help encourage and equip alumni and students as they pursue kingdom-focused vocations. You can learn more about the Alumni Association at johnsonu.edu forward slash alumni. So Blair Wilgus, a 2000 graduate of Johnson University, Tennessee, who went on to doctor, I mean, master's work at Lincoln Christian Seminary and then on to doctoral work in Scotland, now serving with Hope International University remotely from Augusta, Georgia. Blair, thank you so much for being my guest today on the Sojournal Podcast. What one minute message would you give to the world? Tyson, I listened to three, I think I told you, I listened to three, uh, three of your other podcasts. And when you said you asked this of everyone, I, I took note and I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I just can't speak to everyone. But when I was trying to pare down, who could I speak to? What's the biggest audience? Let's just say, let's limit it to the West. And if I wanted to say something that I thought could help, you know, maybe following on from what I, the piece of advice about uh, try to understand other people, maybe just delete social media. Stop paying attention to entertainment news, read a book, go outside, spend time with someone you love. You'll be happier. I need someone to say it to me sometimes. So I figured if I said it out loud that reinforce it for myself as well. Cause you know, just going back, I don't know. We, we fall so easily into these, these uh, traps that we don't realize how much they can consume of our lives and detract from what we really love and want to do. I'm glad you thought about that because that's powerful. That's good stuff. Oh, I felt bad because it has nothing to do with the Old Testament. <laughs> but yeah, that's... Uh... No, I mean, that's life. And that's where so many of us are. We have these distracting things called social media that can consume us and corrupt our hearts. I, I like that. <laughs> Delete it. <laughs> Go out and just be with somebody. That's good stuff. Oh. Blair, thank you so much for uh, for giving me your time today and for being my guest on the Sojournal podcast. This has been fun. Thanks, Tyson. It was great to be here. The Sojournal podcast is a production of the Alumni Relations Office at Johnson University, edited by Lena Gavorsky, podcast graphics by Rachel Woolard, music by Loyal Love. Tune in to other Sojournal podcasts dropping normally weekly on Anchor FM, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. 
Thanks for listening.